Hi, welcome to the Hello Mornings podcast, where our goal is to inspire and equip you to build a grace-filled, life-giving morning routine. My name is Kat Lee, and today our guest is the author of over 70 books and a mother of 10. Yeah, you heard those numbers right. She also happens to be one of the most humble and down-to-earth women I've ever met. Today, Trisha Goyer shares her journey from teen pregnancy to becoming a USA Today bestselling author. She's going to share how meeting Jesus and her simple daily walk with Him has transformed her life. Let's get right into it. Hey, Trisha, how are you today? I'm doing great, Kat. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the Hello Mornings podcast. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so let's just start at the beginning. Uh, First, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'd love to dive into a little bit about your morning journey. Okay. Well, I have been married to John for 27 years, and we have 10 kids. We have uh, three biological, and then we've adopted seven kids, six of them from foster care. I'm a homeschooling mom, and I'm a writer and speaker. So Walk It Out is my 70th book. That, wait, wait, um, wait, wait, I've written wait. 70, 70 books. Seven zero. I don't know if I've seven read zero. 70. I mean, I have, but <laughs> it's a legitimate, it's a legitimate question. I'd have to count 70 books. That is amazing. Yeah. I'm a little tired. I think after this, I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> or maybe but, you write books while you nap. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, actually, the ideas have come to me when, when I wake up from a nap. So. That works too. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. So you, you do stuff, you have a busy, you have a busy life and with, uh, you know, 10 kids raging, ranging, not raging, hopefully, hopefully not raging. <laughs> Sometimes we've had raging so, too. <laughs> some, you know, ra- ranging, why am I struggling with ranging in age from, you know, younger to older, you have long days and I'm sure there are plenty of nights where you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm exhausted. I just want to sleep in tomorrow. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about the journey of your mornings over the years. Absolutely. Well, um, I became a Christian when I was actually pregnant with my first baby. I was a teen mom. And um, so, I mean, brand new baby, brand new Christian. And I remember I got married soon after that. Um, and I remember like there would be days that I didn't even think about God. I was like watching the young and the restless. Like I wanted to follow God and at church I would make all these determinations. I'm going to follow him during this week and really just would go days without thinking of him, without really applying anything from the Bible to my life. And I remember one day just deciding, um, that I was going to just start a morning routine. And I, it was just like, it came to me. It wasn't like I heard a, a sermon or a book. It's just like, if I want to focus on God, I need to make that a priority of my day. And by this time I had two little kids. Um, so Corey was about three and Leslie was a baby. And I set my alarm about 15 minutes before I knew that the kids would be waking up, which kind of scared me because I don't, I don't want them to hit their alarm, but they didn't, they didn't wake up. And I remember going in and just, um, I started in Matthew and just started reading and just, it was just so encouraging. I just remember my day going better, like thinking about God more during the day. And it was a, a routine that I developed, even with those little babies. There were seasons after I had my third for, you know, I, I needed all the sleep that I could get. Right. I didn't have that morning routine. But when my third got a little bit older, I started back up again. And 
it really just changed everything. I thought about God more in the day. I was a kinder, gentler mom. I was a better wife. I um, really started memorizing scripture. So I'd write it down on a little note card and keep it in my pocket. And now my oldest is 28. And um, it's still such a part where I don't even usually have to set the alarm, even if I go to bed late, usually around 4.30 or 5, I wake up and and it is my peace before the storm of the day with all the kids. So I love sitting down with my Bible, with a, a journal. I don't do a lot of journaling as much as I used to, but I'll write down a scripture that was meaningful or sometimes a prayer request. Well, because you're uh, writing 70 books. So. I know. <laughs> and a lot of my books came out of that time. And mm. I would say, you know, scriptures that I came upon or messages that God spoke to my heart, those ended up becoming part of my books. And so it really has just transformed my life. And, you know, going from not thinking about him to reading scriptures and like, you know, I really need to find healing in this area of my life. And this is a struggle for me. And, you know, God is so good about just one thing at a time. Like, mm-hmm. we need to focus on this. We need to focus on this area of your life right now. And um, so now I, I do it with my kids. I homeschool. So I'm able to sit down with them and we spend about an hour in the morning and um, read through the Bible. And we have this little Bible curriculum that we're going through right now. And so I just love seeing them get excited about the same scriptures that I first got excited about when I took time just to sit down and read God's Word. Okay. So I want to know what that Bible curriculum is. Okay, so we're doing two things right now. We're doing one called Picture Smart. Um, and Picture Smart is these coloring pages. And if you just Google Picture Smart, you can find it. But there's these coloring pages that I print off one for each kid. And then it talks about each book of the Bible. So it goes through. So today it was talking about Proverbs and how they were um, written mostly by Solomon and they were guidance for training up our children. And so it will have different pictures like color the heart. And it talks about how the Proverbs are, are to encourage our hearts and all these things. So it has different pictures on there. And as I'm reading aloud, which I love because I don't have to prepare at a time, as I'm <laughs> telling them about whatever book of the Bible it is, um, they're coloring a picture to go along with what I'm saying. And so we're, um, we're on Proverbs now. We started a couple, like three weeks ago. And then we also have a book that I'm using. It's called um, The Ology. And so it's for kids. So it's a theology book for kids. And I'll talk about like today we were talking about how um, Christ was the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And they talk about how and they relate it to like an apple seed um, before a tree can be can grow from it. An apple seed has to die. And Christ was that he, you know, he went into the ground and but he came out as a new life. And, and we are part of like the fruit of his resurrection. So it's like explains theology in a way that kids understand. So between those two, between the picture smart and the book called The Ology, it takes us about an hour to go through in the morning, which, um, you know, it's just a really good time. And the kids look forward to it, too. And honestly, it sounds like those could be resources for anybody, because sometimes picking up the grown-up books is a little daunting. Absolutely. Especially for people newer to Bible study. Um, so you you mentioned you started in Matthew. Is that because that was the beginning of the New Testament? Or did you just start out your morning routine with a plan and, and you knew you were going to study Matthew and then maybe Ezekiel? Or what, what, was, what, was, what has been your methodology of picking what you're going to study? 
Yeah, when I first started, I started in Matthew because I wanted to read through the Bible, but it was kind of scary to me mm-hmm. <laughs> as a brand new Christian. Um, and so I thought, okay, we'll read through the New Testament. And so I did that at first. And then um, I would usually just pick a book of the Bible and read that. Um, sometimes I'd stay in, the, in like Romans. I stayed there in there for a, a, quite a few months just going over reading through it again. But then um, I've read through the Bible about six or seven times, and I would just print off a reading plan from the internet and go through that. Also, John and I um, have read through the Bible together a couple of times. And so sometimes I'll have my morning quiet time. And then if he's in a season where he has more time in the morning, um, now he's traveling a lot. So he's out of town a lot. So we don't have the same, but we would read through the Bible together. Um, And it's now I'm going through the Bible again. I just started an online group, and it just started on September 11th, and I'm reading through the Bible. I just put it out there on my Facebook page. Hey, does anyone want to read through the Bible with me? And I think we have about 250 people. And so we're like um, only the third day in, so we're still in Genesis. And I just want to encourage people to get in God's Word, to have that time. And it doesn't have to be mornings. Um, I, I do encourage them, if you have time, I mean, for me, it just helps my whole day. But if evenings or if you work, you know, your work schedule, I mean, just make time to be in God's Word um, sometime during the day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I found that sometimes if I don't have time to sit down and read the Word, I'll just put on, the, like, the version app has the audio yes. Bible and lots of different things. And, I, man, I can listen to several chapters while I'm doing dishes, while I'm doing whatever. And I really enjoy that just kind of to, you know, to mix things up. I'll do that too. Sometimes if, um, if I do sleep in for some reason or I had a sick kid in the night and, um, didn't get my quiet time, I will put the U version on when I'm like putting on my makeup or brushing my hair in the morning or getting dressed, uh, in anything. I mean, I just need that mm-hmm. encouragement in my life. Or, you know, even if I don't want to get out of it, I, you know, my phone is usually on my nightstand so I can mm-hmm. scroll over and be like, oh, let's listen to the Bible. <laughs> Maybe I'm not eating it. Maybe I don't quite have that level of willpower, but I can grab that and I can start listening to it. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So real quick, where can people, can people get connected to that? And if so, where would they find it? Yeah. If they just go to my um, Facebook page, it's just author Trisha Goyer and they can look for um, either look on that page. It has links or they can um, just put in the Facebook search that it's called the walk it out scripture journey and anyone can join. Um, and I just hope that they'll just pick up wherever we are. And then I'm planning just to continue next year. So, you know, say they join in an exodus. I mean, we'll just, you'll get Genesis when you come around next year. Right, so, right. you know, don't feel like, oh no, I need to start at the beginning. I think that's the trouble. If we're doing a reading plan, sometimes we feel like we're behind. And so then we don't think we could catch up and then we just stop. And I just encourage people like just read what's on there today. If you didn't do yesterday, it's okay. Just Mm -hmm. like keep going. And then also the reading plan um, that I picked and kind of, I have a little print up PDF print up that they can use. Um, I did five days of reading and then the weekends for resting or catching up. Um, So there's usually about five chapters during a weekday that they can read. And then sometimes if you missed a day during the weekend or during the week, you can catch up on the weekend. Or if you are caught up, you could use that time of the weekend to go over maybe meaningful passages or something. Um, so you do have those extra days if you miss for some reason that you can catch up or just rest and um, go back over what you read. 
I love it. I love it. So my daughter plays tennis and she's homeschooling this year. So it kind of falls on my shoulders to be her coach. So I've been listening to, you know, like sports psychology things or whatever. There's a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. Mm. And um, one thing that I learned from it that I've just found to be fascinating when it comes to, you know, especially with mornings and, and Bible study, like you're talking about, you know, if I miss a day, then you get really frustrated and you're kind of down on yourself. And then you're like, oh, forget it. I already missed a day. And then you just kind of tank from there. Right. You know, and that is the same in planning. It's the same in, you know, healthy choices and all that sort of stuff. So in this book, it's sort of like the, you know, the, the penultimate, that's not the right word. I use that wrong. It's the ultimate, uh, like tennis psychology book or whatever. So he talks about how when you're playing, uh, what you need to not do is judge what you're doing. If you miss a shot, you don't say, oh, that was a bad shot. Because mm. immediately that posture, you know, your shoulders go down. You're judging yourself. You're judging your play. Instead of instead, what he says that you should do, be like, oh, that shot went out. I noticed that that shot went out. And just notice what's happening as opposed to judging what's happening. You can judge your play after the match. During mm. the match, just pay attention to what's happening and you can acknowledge what's happening, but not judging it. And I'm not, you know, I can't, exp- that might sound a little silly or whatever, and I might not be explaining it very well, but it's been really profound for me just in so many different areas of life. If I want to move forward, if I want to keep playing, if I want to keep moving forward in my morning or in reading the Bible in a year, I can acknowledge, hey, I missed five days. That's interesting. But if I, don't allow myself to make those judgments of how, you know, those five days don't reflect on my entire character and personality, then it allows me and gives me the freedom to move forward a little bit better. And so I love that. I love that. And I think so many times, I mean, that can apply to so much Mm -hmm. in our life about, oh, I wasn't patient. (laughs) Instead of saying, I'm such an impatient person or, you know, whatever. I mean, think about, uh, you know, I wasn't patient and and you know, now I, I will try to be patient. I mean, I just love that, that we don't judge ourselves. We just notice it, mm-hmm. at, you mm-hmm. know, and then even can turn to God and ask for help. But um, when the girls moved in, we had four girls that we adopted that moved in. The house was messy and loud. And I would just be like, I'm, I'm a horrible mom. I can't keep up. I mean, that judging voice was in my head yeah. and um, just saying, you know what? It's okay. Like, <laughs> yep, the house is a mess. It, it's to be expected with four new people just moving in. Right. And that just made a huge difference in my life. I didn't realize it was like this psychology stuff, but it made a huge difference in my life. Just like, yep, this is how it is. It'll be okay. You know, and I'm just going to move on and that's, you know, I'm going to acknowledge it and just move on. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Uh, Okay. So what I really want to talk about today is you basically wrote an entire book about the move aspect of Hello Mornings. Now, I know for a lot of listeners, you're like, oh, well, then that means she wrote a book about health and fitness. And that's not actually it. Uh, When we talk about God, plan, move, you know, we talk initially in, in that move part about making healthy choices, but ultimately, it's not for the intention of reaching a number on a scale or fitting into a certain size of clothing. Ultimately, it's so that we have the energy to do the things that God has called us to with excellence and with joy. And so I love this book that you've written. It's called Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. That is pretty much Hello Mornings (laughs) in a nutshell. And you know, we've done several interviews with people talking about the whole health and fitness aspect, but I love taking it to the ultimate goal 
of walking out God's purposes in our lives. So tell me a little bit about the background of this book and what prompted you to write it. Um, you know, I was talking with a friend who is now my editor, and I was just telling her, we hadn't talked in a couple of years, and I was just telling her what God had been doing in my life, whether it was adopting kids, um, some of the book projects that I've been on. We had moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and I was leading a, a teen mom support group um, here in the inner city in Little Rock, and I was just telling her about these things in my life, and I said, you know, it all... I can look back at my life and just see it's just one little step at a time. It's one little step when I'm sitting down with my Bible and I feel God saying, do this thing. And then you know, sometimes I'll struggle. It's not like an immediate like, oh, yes, God, I want to go and do this thing. But it's it's being willing to be obedient. And then he just takes one step and builds along that, builds upon that. For example, um, right when I was reading my Bible at the beginning, like, and I knew I had to share my story because I'm reading through the New Testament. And so I start sharing, you know, just um, about being a teen mom. And I had actually faced an abortion. Um, I had abortion when I was 15. is something that I really regret. But I felt God saying that I needed to um, first forgive myself for that, but also offer forgiveness to others. And my pastor asked if I would speak for Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so this is like my first big speaking thing ever. How old and this you? is, I was uh, probably like 21, 22 years old at the time. And I had two little kids. Um, so I remember thinking, I do not want to do this. Like, this is the last thing I want to do is to get up and tell everyone about my choice about choosing to have an abortion. But in order to share the healing that I found, I had to share the dark places that I had been at. And so I did it. I mean, I remember my knees trembling, my voice trembling, but I did it. And I saw such compassion um, in the congregation. And and then I also saw tears of other women who had made that choice. And I led a Bible study after that. And these uh, many of these women came and found healing. And it's like just doing what God says, like share the comfort where we've been comforted and share the hope we've been giving and share the good news of Jesus. Like, there's so many times I did not want to do that, but those little steps of obedience led to writing later and speaking at larger venues and then, um, you know, seeing more people find the same hope and comfort. And so even those small steps where I didn't want to step out, God has used that and it's just continued to build. And as I was sharing this with a friend of mine, she's like, that's a book. That's a book. And it's called Walk It Out. <laughs> it just came from her mouth. Like she saw what God had been doing and it's like, okay, now we need to write it down. And so really, that's what I did. It's a lot of my story, but it's also like, look at your own life. And there's questions to ask people and um, how to create white space and what has God been asking you to do and how can you take faith steps today? So it's really encouraging people to do the things that they feel God has put on their heart that maybe they've been afraid to do or they don't know the result. And so many times we want to know the result. Like we want to right. see that there's going to be a book contract at the end of this or there's going to be applause at the end of our speaking or whatever. But we aren't guaranteed that. We just need to step out in obedience even though we don't know what the result will be. So say we're standing on the edge of that precipice and we feel God calling us to something, but like you said, you were like, I don't actually want to do this. I mean, I feel called to it. Maybe it's sort of in my heart, but the actual doing of it, I don't want to do it. How do we, how do we take that first step? You know, I think there's a couple things. Um, first of all, we need to, um, 
let God in and heal us in all the areas. Maybe we want to offer hope to other, but we still struggle with ourselves, like our past sin or whatever it may be, our fear, our weakness, and just ask God to bring wholeness in those areas. Um, I love that scripture, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and just ask God to search us. Um, and, and another very legitimate thing is I don't have time for that. And I think we hear that so many times, like, God, I want to do this for you, but I don't have time. And I talk about that and walk it out about creating white space in our life. And um, there's so many things I think we say yes to because we don't want to say no, or we think this is what other moms are doing, or this is what other kids are involved in. And once we are able to create that white space, we have room to step out. And then third is just do the next thing. Um, you know, whether it comes to what starting a ministry or starting a Bible study or, um, you know, following some other passion, we try to figure out the next 100 steps. <laughs> and right, I think it's right. just figuring out what is the next step. And I think this has been so good with my Bible journal. It's like, God, what are you telling me today? Like the next step today that I need to do and just focus on that one thing. And then pretty soon after a year, we'll, we, realize like, whoa, we've taken 364 steps. Like, <laughs> this is amazing. And then we see ourselves like, you know, down the road and, you know, I've written 70 books, but there was six years when I wrote and nothing got published. And then there's been all these years and it's just been daily sitting down at the computer, working for an hour here, 30 minutes there, and it adds up. And so I think whatever it is, if we do that diligence on a daily basis, it will add up. So I'm wondering if this is going through other people's heads as well. Is your um, prolific life, I guess you could say, you know, you have, you have 10 kids, you have written 70 books, you minister to teen moms, you speak. Is that because you're a superwoman or because <laughs> of diligence and small things that you've done? What, how do you, you, you know, you talk about white space. How do you have white space in the midst of all of that? Because to the average person like me, it sounds like so much. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's the daily saying yes to God. It truly is because, um, and well, it's two things, the daily saying yes to God and the daily looking at other things and saying that doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, for example, my house is a mess right now. I mean, we've adopted all these kids. We have seven kids in here and I used to have such a clean house. It is so far from being <laughs> a clean house. We homeschool, there's books piled everywhere. Um, my bedroom is now my office. And so there's stuff piled in my bedroom and it's being okay with that. But then it's just those daily doing little things that add up. And then it's also taking seasons where, I might not be able to do everything. So, for example, when we first brought four girls home, I took two years and didn't travel and speak. Um, I only went one place during that whole time, and that was South Africa. My assistant, I just told her, I said, when any request comes in, just said, you know, just tell them um, Trisha is not traveling and speaking during this time. And she emailed me. She's like, well, there you get a request from South Africa. So you <laughs> reconsider that one. And I talked to my husband. And so I did go to South Africa, but I only went for five, like five days. I cut it short just so I could go and speak and come back. But for, so that is, you know, creating white space because I knew we were taking on these kids. I couldn't be everywhere and I couldn't travel and I couldn't speak. And so it was easier because I have someone that helps me like with email or uploading blog posts. Um, sometimes she'll do some stuff on Facebook for me. 
And just to tell her, like, don't even tell me because otherwise I'll be the one like, oh, I really like that conference. I do want right. to go speak <laughs> for them. And so that and my husband's been a good that's, buffer, too. That is that white super smart right there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just like, you know, we look at a professional athlete or somebody in the Olympics and you're, we're like, well, I could never swim that fast or run that fast. But maybe if we practiced, you know, every day for the last 20 years of our entire lives, mm-hmm. maybe we actually could. So those little habits, those little decisions, those small choices of following God can add up to things that we could have never expected. So, you know, I know you've talked about a little bit about the adoption journey and stuff. What are some other things that you feel like God has called you to walk out your faith? Well, one of the cool thing is, um, is missions. And I never was one of those people that said, I'm going to go and move overseas and become a missionary. But um, through a series of events, through traveling for research, and then also we had a, a Czech woman move into our church, I felt really led to um, go on a mission trip to the Czech Republic. And I had never been on a mission trip. And I just talked to my husband, like, I really feel like we're supposed to do this. And we kind of put our feelers out and found out that there was um, a missionary couple that needed help with running an English camp in the Czech Republic. And so John and I took our three teens and we took like 10 other teenagers and then a couple more adults. And we took this mission trip to the Czech Republic, which was so good for our family to get our kids just out of the U.S. to see, you know, how people live. And the Czech Republic is mostly atheist. So there's less than 1% Christians there. And just to walk around a big city like Prague and say, look around almost everyone you see is an unbeliever. So that was um, just good for our family. But then my daughter, after she graduated um, from college, she felt led to go back to the Czech Republic as a missionary. And so she was planning to go for a year. And so I said, okay. And she figured out how much money she needed. And she was going to work with the same missionary couple that we had been on three different mission trips with. And um I remember her coming to me and said, Mom, I really feel that I'm not supposed to fundraise for this trip that God's going to provide all the money. And I'm like, well, we just like need to send a letter or something. Like you need, you need, we need some support because dad and I cannot afford this. And she's like, no, mom, you know, you've prayed for, you know, the crisis pregnancy center or your teen mom support group. Like she'd seen all these things. And she's like, I just really feel I'm supposed to pray about it. And God in the most amazing way brought someone that she had led to Christ years ago when she was just a teenager who provided most of the money for that trip. And she ended up going and now she's there full time. And um, she's married to a Czech man, and she teaches at a university there. And I was just thinking, I, I clearly can remember the one Wednesday night I was at church before our Bible study when I was just sweeping, and I felt God whisper a mission trip to the Czech Republic in my mind. And it was that one decision <laughs> that said, you know, let me pursue this. Like, God just put it on my thoughts for a reason. I knew it was God because like I hadn't thought about it before. Like it wasn't me. It was nothing, no goal that I had. And then now to know that she's there full time. They um, they just had five people get baptized last year, young adults that her and her husband had ministered to. So it's, and she's 20, 25 years old. Like it's amazing. She's this young person that is just doing this great things in this foreign country. And it's like, but it was that one step of obedience as I'm reading God's word. And as I follow the first steps of calling that he put on my heart that leads her to where she is. So, so many times it's 
not just about us. Like we think it's about, this is God's will for me, but no, it's God's will for the world. It's God's will for our kids. It's God's will for our church or whatever. Um, And the church that we, we don't even live in Montana and they've continued to go on that mission trip since 2008. So we moved out. And so they've just continued and build relationships. They've had students from the Czech Republic come and do internships at our church. So it's just cool that, and it was just that like small whispered voice in my head that I knew how to be God. Um, So it's, that's, you know, that's just shows you that it's just not all about us. Mm -hmm. It's, it can be about what God wants to do in the world. And he just needs us to take that first step. So as you're sharing, you're talking about foster care and adoption and the Czech Republic. And this is something that I feel like I encounter a lot, especially in today's kind of day and age, the last 10 or 15 years. So I'm the sort of personality, like I'm a Cubs fan. I um, I went to Baylor University, so I've always been a Baylor sports fan through all those drastic highs and lows and Cubs, all the highs and lows. I'm just sort of a faithful sort of person. So mm-hmm. I would struggle even when I was a, a like a Bible study leader at church and afterwards you pray for people. I hated going up to pray for people because my personality is like, if you come up to me and I pray for you, well, then I want you to come home with me. I want to, you know, we are in this for life and I'm going to walk you through whatever this thing is for all of eternity. And so, you know, I struggle with that. And so in today's day and age with the internet and everything, there are so many things that we can help with. So many, you know, whether it's a tragedy or whether it's, um, you know, human trafficking, obviously that's a tragedy, but you know what I mean, whether it's, a, you know, right. like Hurricane Harvey or human trafficking or, or you know, our friend who's going through a divorce or another friend who's going through cancer, there are so many ways that we can step out and, and do all these things, but it feels like too much. And so sometimes it paralyzes us. How do we know what direction to go? Mm, that is so good. So one of the things that um, one of my friends, Robin Jones-Gunn, she's a writer, she had us do this activity at one of the conferences that I went to, and it talks about the themes of your life. And so she had us draw this timeline, and on it, you know, here, here you were born, and then that's the beginning, and then where you are now, and then what are the highs and lows in your life? So um, for me, I was born to a single mom. I faced two teen pregnancies. One, I chose abortion and the other, I had my son. Um, and then I felt going to a mops group, I felt compassion for seeing teen moms. Um, and so all these things you plot it out and then you see like, these are the major themes of your life. And so teen pregnancy is one of them. The Czech Republic really, what, like I haven't gone on a mission trip in many years since 2010. I think it was, I really felt it was like God's using me for Leslie's themes for her life. You know what I mean? So, but it's like, what were those things that really impacted you in your life? And then how can you, it it may be not be the season, but how can you, if it is the season, impact others according to those same themes? So for me, I continue on Thursday nights to lead a teen mom support group here in Little Rock. That is like my only ministry, you know, 
church thing that I do. So I don't lead a Bible study. I don't do all these other things. Like I go there on Thursday nights and I'm there for those meetings with the teen moms. And I'm like you, when I first started, we moved here in 2010 to Little Rock. Um, these teen moms would come and they didn't have food at home and they were living on people's couches and their baby needed this and they were out of diapers. And I'd be running around and buying things and trying to help them and trying to give them rides to school and was so overwhelmed. And I remember after the first year, just like almost wanting to give up our support group because I couldn't manage, you know, 20 other people in addition to my people in my own home. And um, that's before we adopted all these kids. And I felt like praying about it, God saying, I didn't call you to be the one to meet their every need. I called you to lead their teen mom support group. <laughs> so, oh, that's so, so good. Yeah, I show up on, and I, there's six other women that are helping me this year. We show up on Thursday night. We have baby clothes that are donated. We have diapers that are donated. We um, People take turns with the devotional time. We have speakers come in. We have food donated. So literally, I show up, and I help organize it ahead of time you know, with some emails and stuff. But I'm there, and I'm loving on those moms. And then during the week, you know, I might encourage them over Facebook or a text message, but I'm not like going to buy them diapers. And so that's what I am called to do is lead that support group. And I think so many times we feel like we have to do it all. And it's right. not it's just like, what is the one thing that we're supposed to be doing? And that's my Thursday night. And it's almost like maybe we're following God into the thing, but then maybe we're like, all right, I'm already in the thing. So now I'm just going to kind of go with my own thing instead of, you know, checking back in with them. Okay. So maybe I don't need to, you know, buy the diapers every time they need them or whatever. But and so that process of just continuing that morning routine, continuing to check in with him every day and saying, Hey, what's on my plate that should be here? What's on my plate that shouldn't be here? Because I think that's sometimes the hardest thing about when we want to start walking out our faith is what to say yes to and what to say no to. And far too often, then we either always say yes until we're burned out or we always say no because it's just too hard to make those decisions. Absolutely. And I think my my husband has been really good. Um, I'll say, hey, someone called me and asked me if I wanted to do a Bible study. He'll like, okay, well, what are you going to give up to be, <laughs> to be mm. able to do that? Are you willing to give up your teen mops or our teen mom support group? And I'll be like, no, he's, you know, so I think having someone in our life, whether it's a friend or a spouse or someone that we can talk to, and they know our limits sometimes even better than we know our limit. And what I discovered, whether it was our teen mom support group or I helped start a crisis pregnancy center that is still up and running, I'm not even there, I'm not involved, but God brought other people to join in the journey. Um, when we first started Hope Pregnancy Center in Montana, I was like, I don't know how to do this. I've never run a ministry before. And we had a training and it was me and two other women, young moms, 35 people showed up at that training. Wow. And God, it was like God saying, I got this. I already know who's going to help. I know who's going to do the bookkeeping. I know who's going to, um, you know, remodel the kitchen and your ministry house. I, he knew all those people were lined up. I just had to take the step of faith and just have the meeting and gather everyone together. And I think so many times we feel like we have to do it all. But God's saying, there's so many other people that I want to get involved in this. I just need you to step out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had to do that even since we've adopted kids. There's times where I've been so not feeling well or overwhelmed and I've texted friends from church like, hey, can you take some kids for a day? Or 
I have one girl, you know, and if people ask you to ask them for help, like be willing to one lady's like, if you ever need anything. So I remember last year when John was traveling, I was just so worried. I'm like, is there any way you could organize a couple families from the church to bring us meals? I'm just really struggling this week. And they did. And our kids were like, why are people bringing us meals? And like, because mommy needs people in her life that can help out. And, you know, it's so much easier to give that to other people than it is to ask for help. Oh, that's so true. Um, but people want to help. Like yes. they, they, if they, if they say, um, tell me how you need help. I mean, they really don't know what to do and they, they want help. You know, uh, so I live in Texas and with Hurricane Harvey, it mm-hmm. hit um, one of my dearest friends' homes. She had to like carry her son out through thigh high oh, water goodness. in the middle of the night to try to get to a, a house that was dry. And the whole time, you know, I, you know, so, so I'm texting her saying, hey, how can we help? And so when it finally came to, you know, the, the waters had kind of gone down and I, I wasn't sure with my husband traveling that weekend if I was going to be able to go down and help her or not. And when I finally kind of cleared it and made sure that it worked with all our schedules and everything, and I was able to go to Houston to help her, I, I literally was kind of jumping up and down. I was, it, yeah. I was ridiculously, I was ridiculously excited, excited because it had just been so hard for me to not help and to know that I was going to be able to go. And logically, it doesn't make sense. Hey, let's go to this still dangerous situation where there's tons mm-hmm. of infectious things everywhere and go stay in an uncomfortable place and just work, you, you know, wh- whatever the situation right. is. But there was just something in me. I just wanted to help. And I was so happy when I had the opportunity to. And so, you know, that's true of pretty much everybody, you know, not in every season of life. But, you know, if people offer to help, it means that they really want to. And maybe, maybe it's going to be really, really exciting for them that they get to help. Absolutely. And we had um, one of our pastors at our church actually said, you know, I want to, my husband, my wife and I want to give you and John a date night. Like, we'll come over and watch the kids. I'm like, you know, there's seven of them. They're a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's really loud. And they came over and they played games with them and all this stuff. And afterwards he was like, had this big smile. He's like, that was the best time. And I'm like, good, you could come next week. No. <laughs> but, you know, I was just joking, but they really were blessed by blessing mm-hmm. us. Like mm-hmm. it, it just like, this is what God's family should be about. We should be helping each other. And so if God puts something on your heart, you know, if you know a family that's adopted or in ministry, I mean, don't feel, you know, I mean, be bold and say, Hey, can I just like give you a date night? Or we had one, um, lady from church. I don't even know her that well, but she came up to me one Sunday and had bought some pizza gift cards, Domino's pizza gift cards. And it was on a card. And she's like, you are so busy and we're so proud, you know, of you for adopting all these kids and have a pizza night on us. And I literally like opened it and started crying because it just meant so much that someone like kind of saw the need and Mm -hmm. just like, here, here's some pizza. <laughs> you don't have to cook tonight. I mean, that was a huge thing. I'm, just, I'm even teared up right now just thinking about it, like for someone else to notice those things. So helping each other, I mean, that is what God's kingdom is about too. And I love that you have been open to asking for help and receiving help because when mm-hmm. you get that help from people who want to help, then it gives you the rest or the space or whatever to do the things that you do that minister to other people. Um, like it, helping my friend in Houston felt a little bit funny because, you know, her house maybe got, I don't know, maybe a foot of water. And there were other homes that had like 
eight feet of water. Right. And so I'm like, well, you know, I'm not in the worst location, whatever. But her husband is also the pastor of a church and organized literally like a thousand people from all over the country to come and clean out houses in the neighborhoods and in the, you know, in the community. And they cleaned out over like, I think it was about 200 homes. Oh, wow. You know, my little effort just to encourage her and help her may have seemed small. And maybe I wasn't in the thick of all the muck and the mire. um, But I know that the emotional help that it gave her, you know, allowed her to have a little bit more emotional energy to invest in her husband so that he could do, you know, so they could just do all this and help more people. Um, And I think a lot of times we often want to help, but sometimes that gets kind of busy, that gets crazy. But if we can have the strength also to receive in the midst of Mm -hmm. that, so many more people can be helped. Um, can I tell one more story? This I promise I'm interviewing yes, you. I love no, I love this. This is <laughs> this like is, Yeah, I love it. This is just a really powerful story that's so ministered to me. So the one of the other pastor couples at the church I told a story about how this lady came to them. And this is just a general story because I may get exact numbers or whatever wrong, but it's the generally exactly how right. <laughs> it's generally the truth. So the, um, they, they shared how this lady came to up to them and she was like, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to give to missions, but I know this is weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to pay for your kids to play football. And, you know, football is big in Texas for all their kids to play football. It would have been like a thousand dollars. And so that felt a little, you know, like, uh, I don't know, should we receive that? You know, that seems like we could use that on lots of different things, uh, you know, that we could send that to people who right. need food or whatever. Um, but then they felt like they should receive it. And so they did. And their boys played football and um they through playing football, they got to know the coaches. The coaches were like, wow, these are really amazing boys and got to know the families. And uh, several of the coaches came to the Lord and came to church and they started a life group just for football coaches. Like there oh, were that wow. many of them. And one of them uh, during Hurricane Harvey, who had kind of come into the church in the, over the past year or two, or I don't know how long it was, maybe a couple of years. Um, during Hurricane Harvey, he rescued over 300 people. Uh, in, in his boat, and um, oh my goodness! Just the week, just the day before we got there, he he was out, you know, trying to find people who needed help, and got to this condo complex where there was this woman who had been for the last five days living in her flooded apartment, sleeping on a wet mattress, sitting, you know, on the counters to kind of stay dry. She was this seventy-something-year-old woman, and he took her to the hospital and got her a place to stay, and then the church was able to come in behind him and clean out her apartment, her condo, and then the neighbors condos and stuff and it all goes back to that one woman being willing to hear god and offer something that seems silly and then being willing to receive mm-hmm. that you know maybe 300 people wouldn't have been rescued maybe that woman would still be in her condo um and so i just love that just ministered so much to me because it is sometimes so hard to receive but when we're giving out and serving people sometimes receiving can just exponentially grow what we're already doing I love that. Now I got tears in my eyes again. <laughs> that story. But I mean, that's exactly what it is. Like when we're in our quiet time with God and he says, like, go pay for someone's football. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it makes no sense. You would think, like, why would I do that? That you know, but just being willing to take those small steps. It's yes. just amazing. Like, because God can see what's coming. I love that so much. So Trisha, where can people find your book and you online? Okay, well, um, me, I'm just at trishagoyer.com and Trisha's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. 
And if you go to my website, there's a little tab that says walk it out and it has more information about the book and it's available, you know, any online stuff or um, Christian bookstores. Awesome. I love it. Trisha, thank you so much for being on the Hello Mornings podcast. And I just want to jump in just for everybody listening. I know maybe you'll think, okay, well, I haven't adopted 10 kids and or I don't have 10 kids and I haven't written all these books and whatever. And I just, Trisha and I have been roommates a couple times at, at conferences and stuff. And I just want to say that the way that she lives her life isn't because she's some striving, pretentious person or something. Like we all know people who do lots, who do lots just to maybe to do lots or whatever, but I've never met anybody so down to earth and so uh, grounded and just really, I don't know, I just find you to be very, very inspiring in a very peaceful way. And so I just want to say that this book is something that you should pick up and read because it's truly been her life and um, just really inspired by you, Trisha. And I'm really thankful thank that you're you. here today. Um, thank you that you're my friend too. I just appreciate you and your ministry. And I love listening to this podcast. You're my you're my buddy when I'm folding laundry. So <laughs> I really appreciate all you do too. Can you come fold my laundry? You know, I might <laughs> do that. I'll bring all my kids. <laughs> all right. Well, Trisha, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, if you've not already visited hellomornings.org and checked out all of our incredible resources, can you just go do that for me right now? Now, maybe if you're driving or doing dishes or running, maybe don't, maybe wait. But if you're sitting down, grab your phone, grab your computer, head over to hellomornings.org forward slash podcast. And there's a very simple sign up space right there where you can sign up for our mailing list. We'll send you the show notes for all of our podcast episodes. We'll send you links to all of our prayer calendars and all our incredible resources that we have in our shop. Many of them are free. Our goal is to help you build a life-giving morning routine, and we are constantly creating resources to help you. So head over to hellamornings.org forward slash podcast and get started with us today. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet, but I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. Place my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way. This song is called God Day by Jen Stanbro. You can get your copy at iTunes, Amazon, or jenstanbro.com.